This is cool to get to talk to you about everything, especially a red bud under the Honda truck. This is an important race for you guys because it's home race, Indiana guys. This is straight up the street. So other than Ironman, it couldn't get any closer, but I'm sure you've spent a lot of time riding at this track. So how is it to be here this weekend? Um, it, it means a lot, especially like doing some of the stuff for the Legends Lap riders. Um, I think the first year I came here was 76 or 77, just as a spectator watching some of the trans AMA stuff. You know, that was the Hannah versus DeCoster years. And that was really my first experience seeing pro motocross was here. And so, you know, 50th anniversary for Redbud and, and to be able to make some number one ovals that's going on Mark Barnett's bike, you know, for this Legends lap and um, Jeff Stanton's, you know, 363 for for his Honda and and even, you know, more recent stuff like for Kennard, you know, he's going to do some laps and we made some 41s to, to slap on there. Um, so it's, I mean, to come all these years later and to be involved in, in that way, on an industry side, but coming from a, a little kid, you know, just watching this stuff, it's it's amazing. Um, as a brand, it means it means uh, so much to you know look back over the years and have done some of this stuff for some of these legends. It's it's just super cool. It's really cool. I get that. You know, St. Louis Supercross is my home race. I remember going to that when I was six years old and seeing Jeremy, like, get the win streak loss when Emig won. Yeah. But then same thing when I go to Indy Supercross because it's the first one I worked or coming to this one. This is the first national I ever came to. You you have that feeling of, like, wow, I know so much that has happened here. Some of my best memories in my life or in my working life or whatever are here. And then for you to be here 50 years later still making that happen is unbelievable and then operate at the level that you guys do uh, I, I always appreciate how you guys respect that like you, it's not lost on you like okay we gotta go back to Red Bud you guys are really genuinely happy to be here every chance you get yeah so another tie in about that's cool about this weekend is um, you know, Mike and Laro Mike LaRocco and I grew up racing in the junior mini class in Indiana. You know, he was from LaPorte. We're from Kokomo. And fast forward to 98, to the the first year he was on the Honda with the Jack in the Box sponsorship. We did those graphics. And then here we are 25 years later. He's doing the Legends lap. And, and I brought one of those shrouds. And I'm going to track Mike down and have him sign it. And to to have that shroud is cool, but to have Mike sign it on the 50th anniversary of Redbud and the 25th anniversary of the Jack in the Box kit, that kind of stuff is what motivates us to keep going. So yeah, it's super cool to be here for a lot of reasons, but that's one, you know, for sure. We're in a really interesting year. Uh, the last couple of years, really, because Pro Motocross 50th anniversary, Honda 50th anniversary for motocross racing in the United States, 25 years for you guys as a brand sponsoring factory Honda. It's really interesting to see everybody hit these milestones because 
feels really important, and it is, but then you look around and you're like, wow, it's the same people that have been doing it forever. It's not like there's just been huge turnover of employees or people involved. It's the same guys that have been doing it the whole time. Yeah. You know, like at Honda, you know, there's still a lot of guys under the tent that have been there for a long time. Um, like Lars, you know, everybody's like, oh, Honda's got a new team manager. But, I, you know, I remember in the Ricky days when, when uh, you know, Lars was pushing a broom, you know. And Drewski, obviously, um, is still there. Um, so, you know, and Brandon Wilson, you know, he was he was the, the parts guy like Todd Flickinger is now. I mean, that's who I used to deal with years ago. He would order the graphics and stuff for the team, and now, you know, he's upper management. So, yeah, there's still a lot of guys around in the pits. And, you know, a lot of the guys that are retired are consulting, you know, like Kennard, you know, consulting and you see Johnny O still, you know, back under the Honda, Honda tent. So, yeah, there's a, a lot of guys that have been around a long time. So it's it's cool to see that um, because it's it's just like a constant reminder that, you know, we're kind of one big family and, and uh, we all love dirt bikes, you know, and that's why we're still here because we love dirt bikes, you know. So on the 25th anniversary, especially here, you guys always go above and beyond to make a one-off kit for the 4th of July to celebrate everything. This year, I really like the bike because it's another throwback, but nice blue accents. I like the blue seat cover, the handwritten lighting, writing on the seat cover. Where do you guys come up with all of this stuff? I mean, you have a huge catalog of past bikes that you could work off of. So how do you pick and choose what ones you want to do? And then how is the approval process with a factory team? Yeah, some of the stuff is um, you have to tweak a little bit because some of those sponsors aren't around anymore, like like 1-800-COLLECT. You know, so we would make it, say, like, you know, 1-800-LAWRENCE or 1-800-ROXON. And I don't know, there might be a few people that try try to dial the number, but, you know, they'll figure out real quick that it doesn't work. But um, so sometimes you have to tweak stuff. You know, obviously that one elusive kit that we would love to redo would be the Woody one. And, um, you know, because of Honda licensing, it's, it's, it's elusive and out of reach. But, you know, prior to the Woody thing, just that classic Honda wing, you know, in 98, it was red on black. And then in, in 99, which is what we're replicating this week, week, weekend, it was black on red. You know, the bike currently being all red, you know, back to that classic all Honda red. You know, over the years, they've thrown some white plastic in here and there. But to have that canvas all red, it was it was kind of obvious to like, OK, we've done the 98. We did that during our 20th anniversary. Let's do the 99. That's the next one in line. So that was that was easy kind of for this weekend. Um, it always being 4th of July. As a designer, it makes it very easy for me to because the Honda's red, you know, so you're already a third of the way there. So it it makes it it makes it easy easy on me and I mean to me there's not much more that's killer than an American flag on a Honda. You know, you just you see those it reminds me of the days of when Honda dominated the motocross of nations. That's what it reminds me of as a kid. You know, I see that and I'm just like I'm the one to get, that gets to design that now. I'm the one that gets to put the American flag on the Honda. And I mean, to me, I don't think there's a, a place much higher than that that I could be as a designer to, to get to do that and kind of create some more history in our sport and with Honda. I mean, 
sometimes I don't know what to say. Sometimes I, I want to pinch myself. I'm like, I did that, you know? So that's uh, super cool to be here again for another year. Um, and, you know, Honda's, Honda's back winning now, so that's obviously a plus. So, yeah, just looking, looking forward to putting that Honda up again on top and in red, white, and blue. Uh, hopefully I don't start crying like I did at, uh, at Motocross of Nations when Sexton came across. I mean, that was... I was just walking around the track that day by myself just trying to hold tears back. Because, you know, we did we did the event stickers. We did the track stickers. We did the graphic that went on the champagne bottles for the podium. You know, we did the Lawrence Brothers kids who ended up third, you know, that day. We did Sexton's who USA ended up number one that day. So that was just an overwhelming moment. It was like so much came full circle that day. And uh, I was just a... Uh, I was a little kid again, and and I was a fan. I wasn't like a a sponsor at that point. So, yeah, these moments are to me they're they're priceless, and I and I don't take them for granted. And I'm still hungry and still passionate. So glad to be here. Dude, these are perfect segues for the stuff I want to ask you about because, okay to print three number one plates already this year. Yeah. You've probably got two more coming with the way things are shaping up. Yeah. And especially after the highs and lows. I mean, you've ridden everything out with Honda here. You've been here with the Ricky Dominant Era, yeah. where you guys were just printing money. And then highs and lows, so to have it up again, how cool is it to know that when the printer's done, there's that stack of number one plates, hub decals, all of that? Yeah, that's that's definitely the goal, you know, for everybody involved, whether you're the rider, the team manager, or sponsor. I mean, that's we're here to win races. We all are. I mean, that's that's the goal. Um, you know, yes, you're, you're right. There has been some lows. I mean, after that Woody era, you know, 06, Millsaps won Supercross 250 Championship. And then the Woody era ended, and then came the kind of the Red Bull years, which was... You know, with the Red Bull, we couldn't print that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you guys were probably some of the first to figure out, like, hey, this is how strict they are on that branding. Because I don't think anybody else had had a, pro- a production kit that they wanted to make as, that would be as popular as yours would have been. Yeah. Obviously, there's – it's in the name, Red. Red Bull on a, on a red Honda. Um it was. It was. Uh, it could have been something magical. It could have been. I think on the level of Woody. Um, but Red Bull. You know, Red Bull's allowed to do what they want with their mark. It's yeah. their. It's their mark. So they do what they do, and everybody knows that now. And and but in during that era, um, back to Lars, he was uh, there. Uh, kind of a grunt doing this, that, and the other. And he really advocated for us that year in 09 at Unadilla for Retro Day. They had three riders. It was Tedesco, Millsaps, and Short. And so that's when we really kind of hit the market hard with the whole retro thing. And that day we did uh, the Silver Elsinore with Tedesco. And then we did like the 80s with the gold rims and the blue seat, red, white, and blue feather wing with uh, Shorty. And then uh, with Millsaps, we did kind of that 1-800-collect look, the mid-90s look. And so um, 
Honda's always been willing to work with us and, and play off of their history, um, which has been huge for us because now with the resurgence of the two strokes, a lot of that stuff we did 25 years ago, people won again. And that, so they can get it for their two stroke as they restore it, plus they can get it for their new bike, you know, and have a match. And so we, as a brand, that's kind of what we're, we pride ourselves in is, is giving those customers that opportunity to just geek out, you know. There's something about having, you know, whether it's new tires or new gear, or whatever, there's that motivational factor that just gets you jazzed about going out to ride because your bike looks great, you know. And so to be the one that offers customers that is super cool. When you came out with the Silver Elsinore kit, that was... Look, the Woody bike, I mean, that's my childhood. That'll be my all-time favorite yeah. bike forever. Yeah. Um, when you came out with that one, though, that was the first time that I saw my dad as a full-grown adult, like, get excited about something for a dirt bike again. He didn't even have a CRF 450. Your guys' kit made him want to go buy one, <laughs> you know, because he, yeah, yeah. he wanted that bike so much when he was a little kid, an XR75. Yeah. Elsinore's all the way up. So to see you guys do that stuff, I mean, that's that's unbelievable, and it's cool that you know it all the way back to the very beginning of how important a silver bike with a green stripe or a red stripe on the tank is. Yeah. Um, I've heard several of those stories. I mean, I had, I've had several customers call me and go, hey, do you make that kit for this, that, or the other Honda? And unfortunately, sometimes the answer was no, because the plastic, to make it in a, in a custom collar like that, it's very expensive. You know, the minimums are high. And, and at the time when we came out with that, um, doing it digitally wasn't an option. We had to screen print it. So it was a big undertaking. And I had several guys call me and go, well, now I guess I got to buy so-and-so year Honda. And they would go hunting for one, and then they'd call me back like a week later and go, well, I found one. Now I want to order the kit. I'm like, that's just crazy. I mean, those are the kind of things that as, as a brand owner, you don't think you would hear, but it's cool that, that we have. So when you guys made the Woody kit, so that early 2000s, Honda is killing it at that time. You know, they have the RC, RC motorcycle. There was a whole line of apparel and mountain bikes that were sold at Kmart and other retailers and things like that. And you guys are on that wave. I mean, you're right there, a part of it. And you're a young brand at the time. You're only 10 years old. So how was that to experience that as a young group? Yeah, that was... So, you know, in 95, when we did the 1-800 Collect stuff, they came out with a line of toys. But we weren't a sponsor at that point. We, they, Honda hadn't developed their licensing department yet. We were just a vendor. Uh, but we have those toys. You darn betcha we went and bought, you know, the, the Lampson, the McGrath, the, the Henry. And we still have them, you know, in packages on shelves. But, yes, the Woody era was on another level. Um, you know, to, to, to see the little... Uh, the little throttle that you put on the BMX bike that revs and makes the noise. With the engine. Yeah, they had the, like the little engine that you put on there, and and um, yeah, like I remember some races they actually had a, 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 a like a guy in a in a Woody Woodpecker costume as a mascot, like a like a baseball team or something. I remember um, they did a photo shoot and there was a red helicopter and they put a giant Woody graphic on the side of the, I think it was for maybe Fox or something, did that and they put a big Woody Pecker on the side of the helicopter. And I've got some photos of that somewhere in, in, in the archives, but 
Yeah, stuff like that. It's just like to be a part of um, something that's happening in the sport that's taking the sport to another level has is, is always been cool um, to kind of sit back and watch um, for sure. And, you know, the, to kind of back up a little bit, um, prior, to the, prior to Honda, we, you know, we did a lot of stuff like that that at the time we didn't think was changing the sport that much, but we look back and we're like, holy cow, you know, we did a lot of privateer team stuff back in the day that is now just legendary. You look back and you're like, man, that really changed the game. Like, um, and, and I think, you know, the pre-production rule in 86, um, kind of made the sport a little boring it definitely made it more fair on a on a racing level for the for the privateers but you weren't looking at the bikes you weren't looking at works bikes anymore and talking about the trick parts that were unobtainable you couldn't get you know they were you know um billet aluminum whatever and titanium and magnesium this that and the other that's what you talked about about bikes in the 80s in the early 80s late 80s not so much because it you know it changed there was a production rule but then came like jeff glass and um you know then came the peak honda team in 91 and came a lot of that stuff and you know, right out of the gate, we were we did a lot of that stuff. You had, um, um, you know, Nolene, Sizzler, Yamaha, and they started, these satellite teams had the freedom to go after those outside sponsors and uh, really change the look of the bike. And that's where, that's where the graphic portion of our industry was born. It was born out of that. And it was out of, like, necessity. They needed to change the look of the bike to lure these sponsors in their direction because they had to have that money, you know, to be able to go racing. Um, and so to do that stuff was was awesome early on, but it but once it came to the factory teams, you know, once 1-800-COLLECT came to Honda, like in 94, 1-800-COLLECT was there, but the bikes were still really boring. They were just red and white plastic with individual stickers stuck on. But then in 95, they had an actual design that tied in the tank and the seat and everything, and we, we did that stuff. And then, you know, fast forward to the Woody era, with the movie promotions that they did, that was just a whole nother level. And that's, with the digital stuff, that's easy to pull off now. Um, but back then, it was not easy. It was not easy. Knowing your background, especially to be like skateboarder, punk rock kid in the 80s, you know, and stickers and wild, big color, everything everywhere. How fun was it to just spin things that way and make bikes, make a blue Honda for Mitch, you know, make him blue peak Honda, because nobody had done that before. And then to kind of inject a little bit more flair instead of it just being so, this is what the bike looked like when it came from Japan, just a little bit nicer now. Yeah, I mean, as a as a designer and an artist, it's it's always um, it's always fun to to go off, you know. And and all that stuff as a kid was such a huge influence. I mean, being from Kokomo, Indiana, um, <laughs> there was there was not a lot that was different or edgy, mm-hmm. you know. I mean. <laughs> We got called names in in high school that I can't I can't repeat right now. You know. I understand. No, that. Yeah, I feel that one. <laughs> so um, we were, but we were always California dreaming, not to 
bring the Beach Boys into it, and then they sing about Kokomo also. But you know, we were California dreaming. We, yeah. I mean, we had BMX Action magazine, and we were looking at like uh, the Grab On Kid, like what Bob Harrow was sketching, and, and I mean, that stuff was just massively influenced on us. I mean, that's what that's what got me sketching and drawing and, and, and into art was looking at that stuff and just seeing like I have a Toyota Tacoma now and in, in part that's because that's what R.L. Osborne and those the BMX Action Trick Team was driving it was like oh, you know you couldn't buy a Toyota in Kokomo in the 80s you know in a in a, in a in an American-made automotive factory town, your Toyota would have gotten keyed. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And so that, that I guess that elusiveness, that different, that different flavor um, has for sure been uh, an influence and, and a direction on, on what we've done. I would say one of the most recent ones was um, the SR-71 kit that we did for Military Day this, this year. Um, you know, working with Honda for a long time, I know like what to do and what not to do. They, they kind of don't have to tell me, you know, and there's the, the approval process moves pretty quick because I know the parameters, but, um, it's really cool to have Lars, um, on the management side now to, to push that envelope. And I've always had that vision of ghosting out the logos and really making the logos part of the design. Because if you really look close up at an SR-71, there's a lot of text all over that plane. And it's like warning stuff, you know, step here, don't step here, you know, eject button, whatever, warning, this is hot, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but it's, you really got to zoom in to see it because um, it's little, it's subtle. And I've always wanted to do that with a graphic but was always kind of afraid to ask. Um, and it was really, really cool to get all the sponsors on board. Um, and I think it was easy because it was something patriotic, honoring our military. Um, so when Lars said, like, ghost that stuff out, and I'm like, what? You know, and I'm like, really? And I was like all giddy, like, yeah, you know? And then to, to do it a, a matte finish, you know, um, it, that, that kit was really cool to do this year and really kind of push the envelope different than um, something that Honda's really done before. So yeah, that was that was. It's always really cool to to do that stuff and to see the riders' reaction. Um, that's always really fulfilling for us is to see the riders get jazzed about it. Um, you know, here one year, Fourth uh, of July, we did a obviously a patriotic kit, and I remember walking up into the pits for the first time that weekend. And Justin Brayton's standing there, and he's just geeking out over the bike. And he's like, well, great. Now i got to go fast. You know? And I think he ended up second on the day. And I said something to him after the race. And he's like, no. He goes, no, dude. He goes, I had to do this bike justice today because it looks so killer. And that was just, that was a highlight for me. You know, as a, as a brand, I'm like, that's so cool. So, not to get into the business side of things, because I know that's not all you're in, but when you guys, you know, does win on Saturday, sell on Monday, still apply on a graphics kit like this, or is it so different now, not everybody wants to have a factory bike because they want their own deal? Um, yes and no. The, the digital age is, is kind of fudged that up a little bit. 
because it is so easy to to customize stuff and there's so many graphic companies in the game now you know when i started out with honda there was there was literally maybe only two or three of us that were actually printing stuff that could actually make it um like seat and uh and pros choice and and us um you know early early on early on like in in say in style or or uh 100 they they weren't printing their stuff but when the digital age came around they they invested in that but now i mean you got 50 grand and you can run your smartphone you can start your own graphic company and it's a lot easier you could put it in your garage you know or a spare bedroom you know and so there's so many people in the game and it's it it gets a little hard sometimes um to to you got to say no to some stuff you got to you got to say nah we 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 just don't do that you know because I get a, I get a lot of requests for to rip off a lot of stuff or I get a lot of pictures of other bikes say hey make this for me I'm like no I, I'm not going to do that that's somebody else's kit you know that's somebody else's design I wouldn't want somebody to do that to me so I'm not going to do it to somebody else but um, but there is that definitely I mean when you guys guys that are winning like the Lawrence brothers and, and Chase Sexton and they run the military kit or the or the Redbud Fourth of July kit or whatever um, yeah sales sales come your way and and obviously in the digital age with the, the beauty of social media and stuff it's so much easier to do that you know when we used to do like retro kits with Honda um, like say in 09 it was you know pre-Instagram and it, it was still print ads and so it was it was a bit harder back then to, to, to sell that stuff and be able to advertise it right away and, and have it come out right away um, because everything had to line up uh, that, that kit that Tedesco ran that day that was painted I remember that. That plastic was painted. I remember. Okay. So this is a perfect transition because I wanted to ask you about this. When you talk about, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, and you guys do the mummy graphic or the Jurassic Park graphic, we don't know about that bike until it shows up at the race. And then it's all of this hype around it, and you guys do a coordinated campaign around it. And I remember working in print, you know, for as long as I did. When you guys wanted to do something special, you had to know this is the day that this drops because you don't want that ad coming out week early before the race because then you just blew the whole thing on top of all of that i really like how you bring up because 2009 you're right on the cusp of the digital thing yeah you know yeah. you have to do all that stuff or the next day you can just hit share and then it's over yeah i remember the that stuff was photography and we had to separate it into uh cmyk separations and 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 we had to screen print it and you know, with print media, you're 300 DPI or more, you know, but with screen printing, you're at like, you're pushing it at like 85 DPI. So you're seeing the dot, you know, and I remember printing like the Jurassic Park 3 kit that, that was actually brand here at Redbud 2001. When we, when we printed it with CMYK, the yellow was way too light. So we had to use like a Suzuki yellow 
to in in place of the CMYK. So it was like CMYK, or it was like C. Suzuki yellow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and that's, I guess that was the beauty of us being able to pull off that stuff is because we had that experience from printing all those skate stickers in the eighties. We knew what, what it needed, what, what it took. What was also scary about that is they only ran that graphic one day, one rider. So if Sebastian wasn't it? It was Ezra. Oh, wow. Ezra, oh, Ezra Lusk yeah, yeah, ran yeah. at Jurassic Park 3. If he would have had a midweek practice crash like Chance Hymas just had, you know, it would have been maybe all for naught. You know, and why Universal or or Universal and Honda, I, I'm not sure who made that decision, but why they made the decision to do just one rider one day, I'm not sure. Um, but... You know, when you're doing that stuff in screen printing, you're not just making one one digital set or two digital sets in, for a backup. You're making like 10 or 20, but only one or two was used that day. So I still have boxes of that stuff, you know, unlaminated, just sitting on a shelf. So when we have an anniversary like this, um, it's pretty cool to be able to slap some fresh adhesive on it and actually have a real piece for a display bike, you know. So, um, yeah, that transitioning in that whole era, um, I don't think, because of the way graphics are now, I don't think people understand, like, how difficult it was back then to do that stuff. I mean, it was, it was all hands on deck. You know, at the time, there was maybe three of us running the company, and it was... uh, it was Honda. It, it was Jurassic Park three movie product, promotion. You had to hit the, hit the mark. You had to, you know. And we so I look back and it, I'm like, man, that was that was just epic, you know, to be able to do that. Um, I get I get requests to to sell that, and again because it's Universal, it was it was a movie rights thing. I. When it was never sold. So to kind of have that Red Bull elusive level stuff in our corner is pretty cool. So I gotta come. I gotta come to Kokomo. I gotta see. <laughs> I have to see this. Uh, you have to have so many. Like, I think I have a lot of stickers of just being a little kid. You know, yeah, like, yeah. getting this, and getting that. I would trip out to see all the stuff you guys have, and you probably still have the forms and everything. Like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah, you probably have a ton of stuff still. Yeah, I mean, we have like the the film layers in boxes. Yeah. We have the die cuts on shelves. I mean, it's it's. We have some stuff that's never seen the light of day. Uh, I mean, the first Woody uh, rendition actually went to screen print. I mean, we actually ripped film, made screens, screen printed the whole thing, and um, it got shot down. It was it was expensive. I mean, to do that stuff back then was was expensive, but um, to see to for people to see that stuff. I th- it's cool to see their reaction because they're like, I don't remember it like that. It's like, cause it's never been seen, you know, um, kind of the, you know, Sexton break, breaking that, what some would call the Carmichael curse of 20 years without a champion, a big boy championship. 
we actually did some number plates for the last round when he went 24 and 0 because he cl clinched the the championship prior to that. So he got to run the number one plate last round. We actually screen printed some some backgrounds that had the four ghosted in the background with the opaque black one over top, but they didn't end up using them. But we brought one. Uh, I think it was here one year and, and had Ricky sign it. So it's stuff like that that's hanging in the shop that um, we don't let out the doors too much because it's just, it's irreplaceable, you know, but it, it tells a story of a time period and a, and a moment in our sport that, um, you know, we had a connection with. It's, it's, it's for good interviews like this, I guess. <laughs> so this has been awesome. Sorry if I've taken a ton of your time. No, no, but I've I, got all day. <laughs> I can sit here all day. Yeah. Did you print the rest? Band that you're wearing? Did, no, I did not. Oh, you did. Those we don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But we do. We do print a lot of stuff for Redbud. Yeah. So you mentioned the motocross and nations thing, and I'm really glad you did because you and I have talked before, and this is why I'm really in, into this conversation. My little brother does what you guys do, but on a way way smaller scale. Yeah. Like drift car racing is his beat. Like he loves it. Yeah. And it's been really cool to see Kyle come into his own and something completely separate from this and make his mark. But with his company uh, this weekend in uh, English. Town, so up in New Jersey, you know, Kawasaki Race Champions and all that. There's yeah. a big event, and they had my brother print the banners, print all the stickers for all the cars that they have to have, print the checks for the winner, and he got to totally make it his own way. And yeah. I thought that was so cool because he has a genuine interest and appreciation and wants it to look good for his friends a bit. Yeah. For you guys to come do this, make Red Butt, especially Motocross the Nations, look as good as it did, and make everything down to the sticker for the champagne bottle. How much fun is that to play with the font, to play with the design, and know? I get to have an influence on something that everybody's going to see and you're not trying to be showboaty about it, but it's going to be seen by millions of people and it'll be there forever. How fun is that process? Yeah, you know, this a story like what your brother's doing is, is exactly our story. I mean, um, you, you know, our, our parents took us dirt bike racing and, you know, we were always looking in the magazines and and whether it was um, dreaming about becoming a pro, dreaming about becoming a mechanic, dreaming about becoming a team manager, a trainer, whatever it is, um, that comes from passion. It, you know, it just doesn't come out of thin air. And what, like what your brother doing is like, to me, that's like the American way. That's the American dream is taking your passion being able to pursue it and do it, you know? And, yeah, for us, um, just being these, you know, these kids from the middle of nowhere Midwest, and, and here we are on this, this stage now, and to see our fingerprints here, there, and everywhere... Um, is great, but for me, it's it's more the the relationships, you know, um, knowing the Richie family for as long as we have, and and uh, when I come here, it's it's like home, you know. You know, be, whether it's being the a title sponsor of the grass race on just a local amateur level or being here for Pro Day on a, you know, a world stage. Um, you know, I remember meeting Davey Coombs in, uh, in person for the first time here. They were having a, it was a pro weekend and he was, um, 
they had a like a vintage race off to the side down here by the pro track out in the grass they just marked something off and I'm like number 59 I'm like that's got to be Davy Coombs and we met and you know now we do all the MX Sports stuff and the GNCC stuff and Farida and um for the magazine and and uh, so have those longtime relationships. God, I'm trying to think how long we've done like stickers for Wiseco, uh, Cometic Gasket, No Toil. I mean, we've done st- stickers for No Toil since their inception, and um, you know, to to know like uh, say Big E when he worked for Answer and, and Ernesto was their rider here at Honda, and now he's with Yoshimura. And, you know, Yoshimura is obviously a big part of the team, and just um, these these friendships that you've developed over the years. And you know, I don't get I don't get to every one of the races, so I'm not seeing everybody that often. But like, you know, to to run into you and talk about like coming to Kokomo and watching the sprint car races, you know, and um, just those those personal connections is is what's super cool and keeps us motivated. And because I mean, if we came here and it was like everybody was jerks and hard to deal with and who would want to be here you wouldn't want to be here but it's everybody's on the same page i think here it's it's all based on their love for dirt bikes and we're all following our passion in some form or you know some form or fashion whether it be a mechanic or a journalist or, or whatever it is you know we're all following our dirt bike passion so just super blessed and super fortunate and uh I don't take it for granted because, um, you know, brands come and go. I've seen I've seen it a million times, and you know, this is our 31st year as a brand, our 25th year with Honda, and, and uh, I don't, I'm not retiring soon, so it's all good. <laughs> I appreciate the Yoshimura and the Big E shout out because they're a big part of this podcast. Like yeah. this whole interview, Big E's the man. Big E's the first person within, second person within the industry, but the first person I talked to before I talked to Don to get my job. So yeah. I have a lot of time for Big E. He's done a lot for me. Uh, and I remember those Ernesto days at Answer on Factory Honda because that was my guy. Like, yeah. Number 10, that was the dude. Two more things. Uh, this has been amazing. I really hope people come and just check out your guys' website just to see everything that you have because there's so much stuff and on your Instagram and everything that just shows a little glimpse of the history of the brand and what you guys are still doing and what's to come. So as you've been in it for so long, what artists do you see and what do you see in art right now as a whole, not just motocross, but just like what interests you and you see something where you're like, yeah, I'm really into that. Where's, where do you get maybe influences or just as a fan of art, where do you look? Yeah, because, because I handle our social media, um, a lot of, a lot of stuff comes suggested to me, you know, um, Personally, I, I collect Pez dispensers. I have this okay. I have this huge Pez collection, and an artist came across that goes by the name Pez. But I, I would imagine that they're Hispanic because Pez means fish in, in in Spanish. But you have to look this artist up. They're they're doing 
what looks like pixelated art, but it's all hand done and it's in three dimension. So it's not like if you scanned in on a photo, you would start seeing the individual squares, the individual pixels. This is like three dimensional and it's just unbelievable. And the the uh, ins- I guess the my draw to it is like how long did it take this person to do it? The effort and that's why. Um, I, I think back to the screen printing side. It was just so so much effort to pull it off all that stuff um so when i see art that i know took effort you know like a lot of popular artists um some of this stuff has has gotten very popular and i'm like why um you know I'm, i'm with you on that one you know like um warhol's like soup can stuff and it's like that was screen printed that's cool but it's like two collar yeah you know and i know he printed I, I know he screen printed it really big and i'm like i would love to get up close and nitpick the line quality you know to see like i would probably it's probably so crappy i could probably tell what size mesh count he used you know that kind of stuff but um, there's also a, um, a um, graffiti artist. You know, my, our, my oldest two kids, uh, my wife and I, we adopted from Guatemala. And on social media, on Facebook, I connected with this guy. He goes by the name Solar, S-O-U-L-E-R. And he's a, he's a cr- Christian graffiti artist, but just mind-blowing and uh he'll he'll go to like these um skateboard events and they'll it's pretty cool because they'll have like skateboarding and then they'll have like some dj doing hip-hop or whatever and then he's like painting some graffiti art and it's just unbelievable and so young young guys like that that are doing stuff that's difficult I appreciate it all because it's difficult and because it's good. You know, we were, we were just down there recently, and and outside the zoo, they have the, the there's a wall around the zoo, and it's all muraled, but it's all busted tile, and they did this mural out of all these like random shaped busted tile, and I'm like, okay, that didn't wasn't quick. That took forever. You know, so whenever there's um, effort into something I know there's passion behind it and that's what that's where my appreciation for art comes is when when I know that there's a passion behind the drive because it was difficult it wasn't easy and they went to that that extra mile you know to put that effort into it so that that's that's why I don't know that's where my passion is about modern art really so that's perfect I like that very last thing you have a lot of time you have a lot of responsibilities everything you have to do you've done this for so long when you want to just play around when you just want to design something do you sketch it out by hand are you getting on the computer what's the process when you just want to like waste some time and get some ideas out um, I, I, I'll still sketch. I mean, I got I got three young kids, and we eat out a lot because <laughs> we're so busy, and we travel a lot, and and so a lot of the places 
have placemats that you can sketch on, you know. And, You're just like a five-year-old. Yeah, so we're just going to town, sketching stuff. And so it's always fun to do that and, and, and to do it with the kids and, and to kind of have that that childhood kind of come back out again. But when it, come, when it comes to work, um, my thought process is always like it, it's it needs to be turned into something that's made. Um, it's rare that I have the time or will take the time to, to make something just for the fun of it. Um, a lot of times it's like, okay, would this, would this work as a decal or on a sticker sheet or as a t-shirt or, you know, with, I think a lot of artists are just artists because of the culture or whatever. But then when they, the money doesn't start coming their way, they're like, get jaded and I'm like what do you think that you know you're just gonna because you say you're an artist people's gonna start handing you money like what it's you gotta turn it into something you gotta and I think that's the I always think of the, the, the creative aspect of it. I mean, um, uh, I, being a Christian, I, I look at it as from that aspect, you know, God was a creator. We were made in his image. And I think mankind, period, is creative. Whether it's a, a mom cooking a meal for a family. You know, she takes takes pride in it and she prepares it and makes it presentable, you know. I think we, we all have that in us, whether it's music or like these guys prepping these bikes. You look at that and it's a work of art, you know, the polishing and just everything. It's So I think we have that in us all. Um, and I always look at it from that aspect, like, what am I creating? It is... And there's always that aspect is, is this going to make somebody happy? Is somebody going to want this? You know, because that's how, that's how it started for us. I mean, we, we were just like screen printing as a hobby. Um, Robert's art teacher taught him how to screen print because Robert wanted to put his name and number on the back of his jersey. And that's where it all started was in high school. In Robert's art class, we, he, Robert still has the jersey hanging in his office. And, but then people started wanting it because they were like us. And so we were like, whoa. You know, so that concept has been from the beginning for us. Like, when I do art, I think, what is this? Is, is, it, is it something that could be turned into a product? Is it something that somebody else would want? Is it something that some, is going to make somebody happy? So that's always my thought process behind creativity. Whenever I do something, uh, unless I'm sketching on a placemat with my kids. So. <laughs> hey, thanks, Matt. This was awesome. I, I've enjoyed this. I don't even know how long we've went. Um, yeah. I could do this all day. We'll have, to, we'll have to talk more in the future. I'll have to come to Kokomo and see what you guys have going on. Yeah, but, for sure. It's, it's been awesome. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks, thanks so much. Weekend. Enjoy the weekend at home. Bikes look beautiful. Um, talk to you soon. All right. Thanks.